You're listening to Player Development, a channel focused on the intersection of sports and character growth. Please like and subscribe to support the stories being shared, the growth of our listeners, and to stay up to date with our latest content. My guest today is Charles Lewis, one of my classmates at Covenant College, one of the pastors at Northside Church in Richmond, and author of the blog, The Mortification of White Supremacy. Importantly, he is also a fan of all things Philly. Today we'll be talking about race and white supremacy in sports. Please like and subscribe for more content like this, and a big thank you to Williamsburg Christian Church, and John especially, for lending us their space, their expertise, and their equipment. Well, Charles, thanks for joining me today. Of course. I uh, really appreciate you coming here to talk about what could be a pretty controversial topic about the intersection of race and sports. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start with maybe one of the toughest questions I might ask you today uh-huh. is what is going on with your 76ers? I don't, I don't <laughs> know why you would do that to me. I'm not sure why you would pick at such a fresh wound. <laughs> All I'm going to say is that we're the number one seed for a reason. Sixers and seven. Six trust and the process. All right, man. You can't have a process without trust. That's We're in the trust portion of trusting the process. Yeah, man. But I'm a trust. Uh, your I, guys aren't losing my trust in these fourth quarters. They're, they're losing mine, too. <laughs> but we're going to hold on hope. All right. Ask me that question after Sunday. All right. Well, well maybe, we'll see how it goes. Or maybe after Friday. Maybe <laughs> after tonight. You shoot me a late night text and say, what happened? Well, I'll follow up with you. Sixers. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you're the author of a blog um, called The Mortification of White Supremacy. Yes. Um, and you've been ri- writing that for a little while now. Yeah, What's yeah. the response been like for that? Yeah, uh, generally positive. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people, particularly within the denomination that I am in, uh, the PCA, Presbyterian Church in mm-hmm. America, uh, lots of uh, teaching elders, pastors, but even some lay people yeah. have expressed um, appreciation for the work that I'm doing, kind of taking um, theology, um, theology that's prized uh, mm-hmm. within our denomination um, and using it to address white supremacy in a biblical way. Um, now, I'm sure there are lots of people who aren't happy with what I'm mm-hmm. doing, but typically those people keep to themselves. They see it, they don't like it, they don't say anything. Um, but from the feedback that I have gotten, it's mm-hmm. all been pretty positive. Okay. Yeah, yeah glad to hear that. Like. As we get our two blogs kind of working together mm-hmm. here in this conversation, like, what is the intersection? Is there any intersection between this talk of race and in sports? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think since the inception of race, uh, race touches every aspect of our being in the mm-hmm. same way that sexuality does. Um, you cannot escape race. You can't. Like we're talking about this intersection of race um, and sports, but with, within any organization, any organized system, um, race will always be hmm. at play. So the matter is being able to see it um, and talk about it in such a way that promotes flourishing for everybody involved. But um, yeah, I think, I think the intersection is, is pretty obvious in a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let me give you some stats as you talk about like flourishing for mm-hmm. everybody involved, right? Mm-hmm. This is, these are numbers from the past five or so years. The NFL 
is 68.7% black. Mm -hmm. The NBA is 74% black. Mm -hmm. And they pay their athletes a median of 860000 in the NFL each year and $4 million in the NBA each year. Ask me to, allow me to interrupt real quick. Yeah. Um, when you give those stats in terms of percentages that mm -hmm. make up those organizations, you're right. talking about like rostered players? Yes, talking about players. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. So with those numbers, how can, like, how can we say that black athletes are not flourishing or how is there still a race problem in these leagues? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, first off, I, I, I want to frame it in, 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 a, in a context um, and point out two, just two realities when it comes to being a, mm -hmm. a, a sports fan. Because at the end of the day, yeah. we're both fans. Like we, yeah. This is not what we do professionally. We're just people right. who watch sports, mm -hmm. who follow sports, and, and who have eyes to see certain things and be sure. able to convey what it is that we see. Um, I think part of what we need to discuss, um, just to put it in context, is that, um, number one, what are your preconceived notions when it comes to race in the first place? Mm. Um, and number two, what's your relationship with sports? So, um, number one, when we're asking what are your preconceived notions when it comes to race in the first place, mm -hmm. um, if you believe that we live in a post-racial society, if you believe mm -hmm. um, that, that racism is a thing of the past, if you think that racism is something that we solved during the civil rights movement in the mm -hmm. 60s, um, then obviously you're going to be asking the question, like, how can we say that any system's not set up for the flourishing mm. of, of black people, right? Let alone sports, where it's sure. predominantly black athletes, sure. um, where they're getting paid lots of money. So, like, how can you say that? Mm -hmm. um, typically, if you're if you're asking that kind of question, um, it's because you you live with a lens in which you think we live in a post-racialized mm -hmm. society, right? Um, so, I want to be able to to name that first. Okay. Um, the second thing I want to be able to name um, is that we really have to be able to um, interrogate and talk honestly about our relationships with sports mm. as fans. Um, is it simply okay. a matter of entertainment or is it a matter um, of both entertainment and escape? Um, I know for many mm. of us, it's not always one or the other, but we're typically prone to using sports and any form of entertainment as escape as well. We're using it okay. to escape our own personal problems, mm -hmm. let alone the problems of the world, right? Um, so if you are watching sports not to be bothered with the things that will get you down or make you think mm -hmm. or make you upset, then of course you don't want to hear about, about racism happening in sports, right? Um, but what's interesting is um, we're not upset when we talk about uh, other issues or other causes or other beliefs when it comes to sports as well. Like when Tebow mania happened, everybody praised him mm. for his faith. Uh, but no one was saying, hey, just keep it to sports, right? It's like, no, uh, people loved seeing him kind of using his platform uh, to talk about his faith. Um, when we see uh, different organizations, sports leagues, um, mm -hmm. honor uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Sure. Um, there are like some people who might say, hey, just keep it to sports. But most people are like, oh, no, that's a good thing. That's a good mm -hmm. thing to do. Um, but as soon as an NBA player walks out wearing an I Can't Breathe t-shirt, it's mm -hmm. like, hey, just keep it to sports. So yeah. I, think, I think it's important to interrogate our relationship 
mm. with sports. Like, are we using it as a means of escape, um, to escape the world's problems mm -hmm. and our own personal problems? And I think it's important for us to be honest about, um, yeah, uh, uh, whether or not we believe that racism's still a thing. So if you don't mm -hmm. think that racism's still a thing, you're not going to see it in a league that's majority mm -hmm. black where people are getting paid lots of money. Gotcha. Um, so I just want to be able to name name that on yeah. the front end and set that context. Um, going to the stats that you that mm -hmm. you just mentioned, sure, awesome. Um, but we both know when you look at ownership, like mm -hmm. it's a very different story, right? Yeah, it's a very different story. Um, and even when you look at, uh, yeah, even when you look at fan interaction as well, like mm -hmm. one of the most interesting things that. That, that I've been able to see even over this past NBA season yeah. um, is the way that fans like treat players. Um, for example, in the series between uh, your Washington Wizards, you are a Wizards fan, right? Yeah. Between your, your Washington Wizards and my Philadelphia uh, 76ers, there was a game happening in yeah. Philadelphia and Russell Westbrook got injured and he was leaving mm -hmm. and a fan poured, poured a popcorn on him. Mm -hmm. um, as a black man, like, and I think most people would see that, oh, like, that's just a fan being stupid. Mm -hmm. There's a racialized component to mm -hmm. that. You really don't see black fans doing mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. And you typically don't see white fans doing that to players who aren't black. Mm -hmm. um, there's another series I think someone spilled on Chris Paul or someone else. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that people are doing this consciously out of racist hate, yeah. but there's this level mm -hmm. in which, like, you can almost dehumanize these people. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, no matter how much money that you make, um, that money doesn't make you human, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, people are human regardless of how they're treated. Um, but to that fan, he doesn't care that this person <laughs> makes more yeah. in a day than they'll make in their lifetime. Right. He doesn't care about that. Mm. He's just going to throw popcorn on them. So, like, and that's just one example, but, right. like, we cannot look at um, money as being mm -hmm. the whole, the totality of right. flourishing, right? We just can't Fair do enough. That. It's a yeah. big part of flourishing. Mm -hmm. It's not the totality. Um, but in addition to that, if we're going to talk about money, mm -hmm. we have to be able to talk about ownership as well. Mm -hmm. um, we can't just talk about people who play and have no no idea how long they'll be playing you don't know right. when injury is going to hit you right and and that's going to end things and on that same mm -hmm. topic i'm sorry it's, it's a little it's a little bit tangential uh -huh. um but we have to recognize that uh african-american black culture mm -hmm. is very collectivist right mm -hmm. so typically um when you look at athletes who are standing up for these issues yes they were blessed with a size and a skill mm -hmm. set that allowed them to make it in the league, right. whatever league that might be. Yeah. But they still come from communities. They still have family members. Mm -hmm. They still have friends who are not giving their gift set, who are not giving their their um, their physical makeup, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and they're able to think of actual persons where it's like, all right, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do my best to use my money to like help these people. Mm -hmm. But like, I know that I was blessed with this. I'm going to use my platform um, to stand up for mm. people who don't have what I have. Um, and I think that's very admirable. I think yeah. that's very, yeah, that's very human to mm -hmm. do that. So.
Yeah, so you're saying like basically the assumptions that we come into sports with, mm -hmm. well, sports especially in this discussion, mm -hmm. and our assumptions about race and how our society is constructed are going to shape how we engage with this dialogue, whether we even think it's necessary. Yeah, 100%. All right. Oh, yeah, let, let me talk about ownership for a little bit mm -hmm. because you did mention that, right? Um, in the NBA, it had its first black majority owner in 2004. That was Robert Johnson, the Charlotte... Bobcats at the time, at the time not the Hornets. The um, and they currently have three non-white majority owners. Mm -hmm. The NFL currently has two minority owners. Mm -hmm. So talking about ownership, what kind of dynamic does that create between these majority black leagues mm -hmm. with majority white owners? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Like almost too easy isn't it <laughs> it is and like i don't want to say anything inflammatory especially Fair to enough. the point where it's like these these um these players are making you gobs of money so you don't want to yeah. use an analogy that feels way off base mm -hmm. but it's common for people to say that like these are the modern day plantations like these mm. are like even like the draft is like the modern day slave auction right mm. like there's an inherent dynamic between having a owner a white mm -hmm. owner over all of these black people using their bodies their 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 physical bodies right. to generate their revenue mm. yeah they're getting paid in the process but ultimately it's filling the the the, the pockets of their of their white owners um, and then the question becomes, like, where is that money going? Where are they then investing that money, right? Um, and I think, I think we can talk about ownership separately um, apart from race. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you add race, it only gets messier. But I was talking with my buddy uh, the other night, who's a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. He was talking mm -hmm. about their owner and the way in which... Um, my friend feels that he bought the Cleveland Cavaliers mm -hmm. just as a way um, to build an on-ramp to him building a casino in the city of Cleveland. Um, huh. And kind of the, in how that's actually, in a lot of ways, has not helped Cleveland as a city flourish, but it's actually done a lot of harm to Cleveland and the surrounding areas, uh. right? Um, so that's just comes, that, that opens a broader conversation about um, who's owning these teams, not talking about race. Mm. Um, but then once you bring in that racial component and saying, all right, how are they using their money to help build the community in which these cities are placed? No, or hurting the community. Or, or hurting that community. Mm -hmm. How are they doing that, right? Um, yeah, so you look, at, you, look at, um, you look at these cities that most of them are, have a pretty sizable black population. Sure. What are these owners doing, doing to, to help? Yeah. Um, many times you see you see players helping, right? Mm -hmm. You see you see LeBron opening uh, what was it the I Promise School? Yeah, uh, something yeah, like something like that mm -hmm. in, in Cleveland. Um, right. I remember uh, a, a uh, I think it was at the beginning of the pandemic mm -hmm. um, where a lot of like a lot of people lost their jobs because the uh, stadiums had to shut down. Oh, yeah. So yeah, a lot right. of people like working concessions at the stadium, losing right. their job, right? Um, you had Deshaun Watson, right? Now mm -hmm. he's in a lot of heat right now. But sure. 
you had Deshaun Watson, um, who was paying the paychecks. Like, he, like mm. he, wasn't, he, he wasn't making a whole lot of money. He was on his rookie contract. Mm. So, like, comparatively speaking, he wasn't making a whole lot of money. Right. But he was paying the salaries of these people who lost mm-hmm. their jobs um, because of the pandemic. and work at the stadiums, right? Mm. Um, so I think there's a level where you have the, not just the optics, but just the, the reality that there's something very sinister um, about white owners making their pockets incredibly fat off of black bodies. Mm. Like if you don't if you don't see that, then uh, there's not much I can. There's nothing I can tell you at that point. If you don't mm. see why that's problematic, there's not much more I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that same time, um, when you come from a certain experience, a certain minority mm-hmm. experience, if you then become an owner in a league like the NBA, in a league like the NFL, um, the hope. Mm-hmm. is that you would then be better equipped to use your resources to serve the least of these in your sure. community, in your city, right? Um, not, 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 that's not going to be everybody. Sure. But that, that would be the hope. So I think there are lots, lots, of, lots of ways in which, in which it's difficult. But, yeah, like, and then you, and then you have owners that, like, oh, what, was my, what was my homeboy from the, from the Clippers? Oh, man. <laughs> what was I his forgot name? his name. I forgot his name as soon as I could, right? Yeah. But, like, he got caught. Like, yeah. someone said, like, I think it was his girlfriend. It was his girlfriend, right? His recorded young girl something, or daughter yeah. or someone, like, secretly recorded what he was saying. It was not pretty. Uh, it wasn't pretty at all. No. Not at all. So, like... If that's what's happened when you're secretly being recorded, mm-hmm. we don't want to know the conversations that are having that, that are also being had. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, we can't just assume that every bit of implicit racial bias um, is going to be brought to the forefront of one's mind, and they're just going to speak it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So when you have these white owners mm-hmm. who might hold like conscious racist mm-hmm. sentiments. Or some who might not have conscious racist sentiments, mm-hmm. but have the subconscious racism living within them. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we trust that they are building equitable and just mm-hmm. um, organizations in which they're hiring these players and giving them contracts? So, yeah. um, and then when you talk about just the direction of a league, right? So the owners right. who vote on things, the owners who set mm-hmm. the rules. For the leagues as a whole, as for the league as a whole, yeah, um, and just regular uh, business business stats mm-hmm. will show us that your business actually flourishes when you have a diversity mm-hmm. um, of uh, age, gender, um, ethnicity, not right. to be the least, um, within the room and making those decisions, mm-hmm. right? So just thinking of for a league as yeah. a whole in terms of flourishing. Um, I think that's that's one of the things that we have to talk about is like we're not talking about racism or white supremacy just to like bring everybody down. Right. It's like no, we have hope for something better. Mm. Like everybody everybody gets elevated when we take care mm. of this, not just black people, right? right? So like the league, the NBA would flourish more mm-hmm. from more black ownership. I don't know I don't know the stats on, on women owners in, in, in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, I didn't look at that. I know you got a Jeannie Buss in, uh, mm-hmm. in L.A., but other than that, um, I know you have the lady up in Green Bay for the NFL. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, like, diversity is beautiful, to put it on my pastor tip, because it's innate, it's an ultimate reality, uh, mm-hmm. triune God, um, three in one. Um, 
so yeah, like, yeah, I think that that's a lot yeah. on ownership, but yeah, we we need more owners who aren't mm. white males. Um, a for the flourishing of the league. Um, B uh, to create uh, equitable and just systems within these organizations. Mm -hmm. And C like. It's really sinister to be making money off of black bodies in this mm. way. No matter how much you're paying them, you're getting paid so much more off their black mm. bodies. And to that point, I think LeBron had tweeted out, it was either earlier this week or whatever, mm -hmm. but now there's this tension between like the owners or the league pushing for the shorter off-season, yeah. extended, and like having the, as close to a full season as possible. Yeah. Um, and obviously that comes down to money. The league is out to make money. Um, but what happens is that these majority <coughs> black leagues, these players are mm -hmm. putting their bodies on the line because of that schedule. Yeah. So yeah. That, I think that really speaks to some of that tension that you're talking about, that the, the players who are majority black mm -hmm. and the owners who are majority white, mm -hmm. their interests don't align when it comes down to making money yeah. versus yeah. protecting their bias, yeah. which is their business. That's right, that's right, that's right. You gotta be able to think about what you're gonna do mm -hmm. once your day in the NBA ends. Yeah. Or the NFL, whatever mm -hmm. that is. So. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so transitioning to a little bit, you touched on kind of these implicit biases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times, like you were talking about with, I still can't think of that Clippers owner's name. Um, I wanna say Sterling. Is that right? Yeah, Don Donald? Sterling. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, that's it's always I, the Don. <laughs> can't trust it. <laughs> so, um, like a lot of our implicit stuff will come out in language. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and so you talked while we were prepping about mm -hmm. how we talk about athletes as lay people. You know, we've been right. talking about ownership about mm -hmm. the athletes. Okay, so this brings it home for the people watching at home, right? Uh. What can be some ways that we talk about athletes that can either be problematic or maybe we need to at least think about a little more? Yeah, um, I think one <clears throat> within the within the NFL in particular mm -hmm. um, is that we typically have a script in our mind mm -hmm. when it comes to the quarterback position particularly. Okay. Um, I think one of the things that we commonly see is this um, division in our minds that we make, and I don't think the media helps, where we talk about um, white quarterbacks as being like cerebral, smart, mm. high like IQ, high football mm -hmm. um, IQ, whereas we talk about um, black quarterbacks not in that same way. We talk mm -hmm. about them for their physicality, their athletic mm -hmm. um, prowess. Um, and I think just doing that, it's unhelpful. Mm -hmm. um, as we're always being shaped. We're like, as mm -hmm. human beings, we're always being shaped. Sure. Um, so to, to subconsciously take in kind of what people would say the most important position in football. Right. Um, if you're a football fan and you're constantly hearing that white quarterbacks are, are cerebral, high football, mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada and black quarterbacks are just super athletic, yada, 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 that's going to subconsciously communicate something to you mm. about the intelligence of black people as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, whether you recognize it or not, it just will. Sure. Um, if you don't watch sports a whole lot, it's probably not going to happen. 
But if you're like a real big fan of mm-hmm. football and the NFL, I can't speak so much to college football because I grew up in Philadelphia. That's not a thing. Fair enough. Um, but if you're a big fan of, of the NFL um, and you're not aware of that mm-hmm. dynamic and that type of language, you're being formed in that way. You mm-hmm. don't recognize it. Um, and that's going to impact how you see the black person on your street in their intelligence mm-hmm. level, perhaps. Sure. Um, I can't quantify how much of an impact that will have, yeah. but it will have an impact. Um, but I think even even more more important than that, similar, um, but when, it, when we talk about the athleticism um, of these black athletes, mm-hmm. um, whether it be in, in the NBA or, um, or the NFL, um, some of the language that we'll typically use is, oh, that guy's a monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy's a freak of nature. Oh, that guy's an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and we say it in such a way where there's honestly no ill intent. Sure. Like, we actually think we're elevating them. Mm-hmm. Like, we're putting them into an area that's, like, superhuman. They're doing things mm-hmm. that, like, your average human can't do. Right. This is phenomenal to watch. We're witnessing history. Yada, yada, yeah. yada. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, walking triple-double, freak yeah. of nature, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, you think you're giving that person honor, mm. um, but instead of... There, there's nothing... And th- this is where it gets to like whether you're a Christian or not, right? Mm. Um, but if you're if, if you're a Christian, and you don't have to be a Christian to see this, but if you're a Christian, you recognize there's no higher honor than being a human being. Mm. Like anything that's not a human being, if it's not divine itself, if it's not divinity, mm-hmm. um, or if it's not angelic, then it is therefore subhuman, mm. right? Um, and what we find is that some of this same, the same language that we're using to, in our minds, elevate these mm-hmm. athletes, these are the same things that get black and brown people killed, like by police, and for people who aren't police, by people who are on neighborhood watch, right? Yeah. Um, when you have it in your mind, and this is just throughout. Um, U.S. history and how we've just seen mm. seen black people being impervious to pain, being incredibly strong, and all these things. Mm. Um, when you see a black person and your racial implicit bias um, through the language that we use, you're more likely to perceive them to be stronger than they actually are. Mm. You're more likely to s- perceive them to be bigger than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to start thinking of them as having monster-like strength, mm-hmm. animal-like strength, um, um, freak of nature mm-hmm. type strength. If that's what you associate with mm-hmm. blackness, if you're in a heated moment and you've got a flight or fight response, mm-hmm. um, are you dealing with a human right now? Right. Or are you dealing with someone who at any given moment can possess monster-like strength you need mm. to take them out like a monster, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, even the language that we use mm-hmm. um, continues to further embed our implicit biases yeah. into our consciences. Mm. So. Yeah, so like you were saying, there doesn't have to be any ill intent for it to not have at all. negative side effects. Not at all, not at all, no. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and even talking about 
um, that dichotomy between mm -hmm. white and black QBs mm -hmm. in the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, and NPR recently reported that the NFL will stop assuming racial differences when assessing brain injuries. And this is for like post-retirement mm -hmm. athletes seeking compensation. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about that? How is that still even a thing? <laughs> like I saw that, I was like, how? Like, how are you just now making this decision? Right. How is this allowed to go on for as long as it did? Right. So you one thing, if the NFL had half black ownership, it would have been done with, would have been away with years ago. Right. And so, by so let me explain a little further for anyone who wasn't yeah. caught up on that. Like, basically, they assume that black people started with a lower level of intelligence or cognitive ability, yes. which meant that when they were seeking compensation, so mm -hmm. this goes to the money issue mm -hmm. for the injuries caused by their playing in mm -hmm. the NFL, mm -hmm. it was harder for them to establish yeah. that they had been adversely affected. 100%, 100%. That's horrible. Yeah. That's racism. That's mm -hmm. systemic racism. Mm -hmm. And racism, again, that if we're looking at their tool of assessment, probably wasn't done maliciously, mm -hmm. but was done in such a way that twisted the Imago day of their black mm -hmm. players and then prevented their flourishing. Mm -hmm. And like, it doesn't matter how much money these people are making, mm -hmm. injustice is injustice. Right. Like that sucks. Mm -hmm. And it's insane that it's been able to go on for as long as it did. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm surprised it's not a bigger story. Yeah. That, that was true, too. When I was researching for this, it was only on NPR. I didn't see it on any yeah. other news sites. So I yeah. thought that would have been bigger. But I think going back to what the theme that you keep coming mm -hmm. back to, at the end of the day, it's about humanity. And I think that's something that, um, you know, left and right, mm -hmm. Republican, Democrat, we all mm -hmm. claim to value the yeah. humanity of people. Yeah. And so even in something as potentially estranged from our normal experience as sports, like mm -hmm. 99.9% .9 of us are never going to play in a professional sports league. No. At the end of the day, these people who are at the top 0.1% mm -hmm. of physical and athletic ability mm -hmm. are still people and yes. are still human. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, and, uh, and, and to that point, mm -hmm. there's still people and they're still human. And. We have to recognize as sports fans mm -hmm. that not everyone's a sports fan. Like mm -hmm. one of my one of the craziest things to me is that when uh, LeBron was opening his pizza shop in LA, like he was like doing like a promotional thing where he uh -huh. was like walking around giving people pizzas. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. And it was bizarre <laughs> to me how many people that did not recognize him as LeBron James, <laughs> arguably the biggest athlete mm -hmm. in the world. Right. I know there are some soccer players that are. Fair enough. Yes. Yeah. But definitely the biggest athlete in the United States. Sure. And like, there are still people who didn't recognize mm -hmm. who he was. Um, and the point in making that is that, yes, like him being LeBron James does not protect him mm -hmm. from the 
um, racism he's going to experience mm-hmm. in this lived world in a black body mm-hmm. from people who don't know who he is. Sure. And to be frank, even from people who do know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a really funny funny uh, stand up bit by a comedian Chris Rock um, mm-hmm. where he talks about that there there's no in the audience to which he's talking mm-hmm. to he said there's no white person in this audience mm-hmm. who would trade places with me as a black man for a day and i'm rich because i'm richer <laughs> than y'all will ever be but ain't none of y'all gonna try to beat me for a day y'all know mm-hmm. um it's just yeah like you're right no matter who it is like mm-hmm. at the end of the day still human it's about humanity mm-hmm. And as black persons in humanity, mm-hmm. we still have this thing called white supremacy we have to contend with. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think that comes almost full circle back to you talking about athletes who don't forget their roots for, or mm-hmm. don't forget like, if I didn't, if I wasn't gifted with this body, with these skills, mm-hmm. I could just be another yeah. dude on the street. Mm-hmm. Like, one objection I hear is like, okay, so why do we even bother listening to these athletes? Mm-hmm. They're, they're paid to play a game, you know, that mm-hmm. shut up and dribble kind of thing mm-hmm. from Laura Ingram in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why do we need to bother listening to them? They don't, mm-hmm. They're not experts on this. They're not politicians or whatever. Like, yeah. why, why bother? Yeah. Um, like, why would you listen to anybody mm. about anything? Um, like, number one, we, we we just elected, I mean, we did elect Donald Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Come on, like, all right. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's be clear about that, right? Um, but at the same time, like, just because you're an athlete doesn't mean that you don't have a valuable opinion. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you can't see things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I touched on this a little bit before, um, but we allow these players to speak on things mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with sports, and mm-hmm. we're okay with it. Right. We champion it. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is talking about um, the importance to support our troops, or if someone um, was or it was active military, mm-hmm. and they're now in the, in the, in the league, I'm thinking of the... The, the young man, uh, Villanova, who I think he's with the Pittsburgh Steelers or was with the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. I um, want to say he was a lineman. Hmm. Um, we love hearing him talk about hmm. the military, right? Um, but we don't say, hey, like, why are you talking about the military? Mm-hmm. Like, that could become political. Yeah. Like, so a lot of people are upset with how much money we give, like, that we, of, of our national budget is set aside towards the mm-hmm. military like sure. don't talk about that mm. like that's like just 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 play football just block for your quarterback yeah right? um same thing with with uh like i said breast cancer awareness mm-hmm. like, we allow athletes to talk about certain things mm. um this is just one thing that we don't want them talking about so mm-hmm. i don't think the question to me the question isn't why listen to them i think the question has to be turned around to us it's like why are we selective on what mm. it is that we listen to them about, right? Mm. Um, and then in addition to that, I feel like that's a little bit of a double standard right there. I think there's another double standard where it's like, we don't, we use that excuse when they're saying something 
that we don't agree with. But if they are saying something that we do agree with, even if it's something political, mm. then we won't use it. We see it in sports, but we'll use it in Hollywood too. Like, if there's an actor mm-hmm. who's speaking out about something politically that we don't agree with, they're saying, right. what do you know? You're just an actor. Like, uh-huh. this isn't what you do for, for a full-time gig. Right. But they are, if they're on our side, if, if they're on our tribe, mm-hmm. then we champion it. Like, we post their photo with a quote on the photo yeah. to our Facebook sure. page. So it's like... To, 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 to answer it with my, with my initial reaction, it's like, why listen to anybody? Mm. Well, yeah, because everybody has something valuable to say. Like, mm-hmm. we ought to be able to listen to, if someone has an opinion, mm-hmm. let's listen to it. That's why we listen to them. Um, we just have to make sure that, like, we're not silencing certain voices or mm. ignoring certain voices because they're not saying what we want to hear when we're yeah. totally okay listening to other voices. Mm. So, um, I, I have... A strong feeling can't prove a feeling but I have a strong feeling mm-hmm. I'm sure the stats are out there that most of the people who say shut up and dribble um, or have that sentiment that we shouldn't listen to athletes mm-hmm. when it comes to these things um, actually do listen to athletes when it comes to other things mm-hmm. they actually do listen to people who aren't politicians mm-hmm. when it comes to political matters sure yeah okay yeah and so We've been circling around this, and obviously you being a pastor mm-hmm. also um, shapes how you view people, how you view people of all yes. groups. Um, for, for the Christians who are sports consumers, mm-hmm. I know you can't speak for all Christians because mm-hmm. it's a very big population and yep. very diverse yep. within that. Maybe within even your own congregation that you work mm-hmm. for and work mm-hmm. with, like what would you say, like, why does this matter for the Christians who are around you that you interact with on a daily basis for those who do care about sports. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I think part of it, at least, at least within the segment and slither of Christianity mm-hmm. that I'm in, yeah, which you're in yeah. as well. Um, we just have a theology, that says Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Mm. Um, um, we, we went to a college, right? What was mm-hmm. our motto? In all things, Christ preeminent. Exactly, right. You did not tell me you'd be asking that. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that it That was right. money well spent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in all things, Christ preeminent. Um, we are kingdom-minded mm-hmm. people under one king Mm -hmm. who is christ jesus um which means that we are after shalom Mm -hmm. and we recognize that there's no shalom without justice right Mm. um injustice like i said it doesn't matter on what level it's happening justice Mm -hmm. is justice so you ought to care about it Mm. Um, now obviously you can't care about every you can be actively caring for every justice Issue. There's no way. There is. There's yeah. no way. Right. But if the Lord's called you to be a sports fan in the way that he's made mm-hmm. you, I hope you'd care about seeing his preeminence in mm-hmm. sports as well. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's all the questions that I had. I'll, I'll kick it back to you for any yeah. final thoughts you have about this whole topic because it is very wide-ranging. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, not not really any 
any final thoughts. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think what I started off with, with the context, like the mm-hmm. two questions to ask. Yeah. Like that's what I want to end with, with as well. Like mm-hmm. ask yourself, number one, what's your relationship with sports? Mm-hmm. Is it simply a matter of entertainment mm-hmm. or is it a matter of entertainment and escape? Mm-hmm. Um, because if it's a matter of entertainment and escape, then of course you won't want to hear about anything that upsets you, right? Sure. You're escaping to the thi- right. from the things that upset you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, it becomes a bigger issue than just race. Like you really have to rethink your relationship with sports if you're using it as a form mm-hmm. of escape, right? Um, so there's that dynamic. Um, and once you start doing that, mm-hmm. I think that will shift how you see the conversation of race within sports. Um, and then number two, um, Honestly, ask yourself, do you think that we live in a post-racial society? Do you think that racism still exists? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, I'd challenge you all that. Um, And I'd ask you to thoughtfully consider, read widely, listen to other people's experiences, Mm -hmm. and be open to being wrong on that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, man. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. So again, uh, Charles's blog is The Mortification of White Supremacy. We'll put the link below in the description. And yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate your time.